let our lives be living proofs of what is pleasing to God. We can, we can do that. The uh, New King James Version says, try to discern or try to understand what is pleasing or what is acceptable to God. But we, we don't have to try to do that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're unique uh, in the Christian faith, and we have an instruction manual, true? We have a fabulous instruction manual. In uh, the Word of Life Club program, we came to develop the habit of reading uh, passages of Scripture every day out of a, um, a quiet time diary. And in the quiet time diary, as uh, this last month has been progressing, we've been in the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, two months prior to that, I started me- reading the book of Ephesians every day, just trying to think through and, and um, ask the Lord, what, what could I do to share with you people who are sitting in the pews and not going to be out doing the work in Africa or the work as Daryl's assistant here in the Northwest, or even preparing to go to France like Courtney's doing. What can you do as missionaries in Ferndale? Because as Pastor has mentioned, as we've heard talked about, you all are missionaries just like we are. Your calling is a bit simpler because you get to do it with your neighbors. You get the honor, the privilege of sharing the truth of the gospel with people you know. Where oftentimes the work that we do as full-time vocational Christian servants, we go into places that we don't even know the people. I, I don't know you well, but this I can say, you love the Lord. I, I've seen that. Deb and I have had the privilege of being involved here and to be welcomed with such warm, wide-open arms. Thank you for that. From the other missionaries' point of view, thank you for being so kind and gracious to all of us as you've made us feel good here because we're all part of the same family, that family that we've been adopted into through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So as we begin today, we're going to answer the question, how can my life be living proof of what it is to please God? Where in the world do I find out, this is a common question I deal with in working with students, is how can I find out what is pleasing to God? Where do I find that out? Pete, where do I learn what God's will is for my life is a very common statement that I deal with on a regular basis with students. I suspect that's true for everybody in this room, trying to figure out what is right before God. Well, one of the things that we taught in a camp a couple years ago that is stuck in my brain, and sometimes it's hard to get it in there, but it's this statement, it's always right to do right. Do you hear that? It is always right to do right. But the other side of that is equally true. It's never, ever, ever right to do wrong. So how do we learn? Where is it that we can learn? How can we get an understanding of what can we do to be a living proof of what is pleasing to God? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, as we all know, the first three chapters of Ephesians outline this incredible life that we have in Christ. The first part of the chapter here talks about the fact that we're adopted through the precious blood of Christ, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's our guarantee I love that. It's our guarantee. As we think of our friends, the Muslims, that are beginning to invade our country, 
and are all over the world evangelizing in a stronger way than we as Christians, we have something they don't have. They don't know when they die what they're going to get. In fact, they're being told a lie about what happens to them. It's not going to be a party, right? But we get to have a glorious, incredible, phenomenal inheritance. And that inheritance allows us to do certain things. Verse 15, Paul says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he worked in Christ Jesus as he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above the principalities and powers and might and dominion, at every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians is just so incredible. I wish I could take five hours like they do in Russia. Anybody up for that? (laughs) I have a friend who uh, went back to Russia a couple years ago and was preaching, and he he prepared two sermons about an hour and a half apiece. And they had him do them bang, bang. So he spoke for three hours. And then um, he said amen and started to sit down, and the song leader came up and said to him, I hope you're ready to do more because we have two more hours. Could you imagine that? Another friend of mine was preaching early on when the Iron Curtain fell down, and he actually preached for six hours. Six hours. He was totally gone. I'm not going to do that to you today. Okay? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a simple outline of where we're going to go, and then we'll kind of develop this, okay? It's important that we understand as we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we grow in wisdom and understanding, as we see there in verse... 17, as we develop our relationship with the God of the universe, our heavenly Father, as Paul lists it here, the God of heaven, the God of Jesus Christ, the Father of Christ himself, the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, knowing full well that we're going to continue to sin, is at work in our lives. Isn't that an incredible truth to hold on to? He's at work in our lives among us today. We can have confidence that God is working all things for his glory. We talked about that a bit this morning as I opened my section on what the Lord has us doing. But here's the three points. If we are really growing in wisdom, growing in our relationship with God the Father, we're going to be changing to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 8.29 talks about. The result of that is our hearts are going to be changed. Paul used the word here, our heart's going to be enlightened. When our heart is enlightened, we have hearts that are hope-filled. Hope-filled hearts. We can have an expectation of something that is more glorious than any difficulty that we could go through in this earth now. True? 
We can look to heaven and we can know that all the hardships, all the difficulties, all the consequences of sin are put away. They're paid for. We know they're paid for, but we still have to face those issues because sin is still here. It still affects our hearts. So our hearts that are changed are going to be hope-filled hearts. Our hearts that are changed are going to be glorious, gracious hearts. Our hearts that are changed are going to be empowered and emboldened. And that's where I'm going to spend my time, especially in light of what Pastor Dave wants you all to do. There's 11,400 people roughly in Ferndale, Washington. And there's more community than that. I'm just going to use Ferndale as an illustration. 11,400 people. 82% of the population in this town is not in a church today where a Bible is preached. 82%. It isn't hard to figure those numbers out, what that number is. It. There's 4,467 4, students in kindergarten through 12th grade in Ferndale alone. Uh, obviously doesn't account homeschool students, so there's more number than that. But for illustration purposes, there's a real number. There are real peoples who need to know that God of heaven loved them so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sin that doesn't allow them to have a relationship with him. But he loves them so much, he wants that relationship. He pursues people to get that relationship, doesn't he? Most of us in this room could say he's done that. That's why we're in a church on a Sunday morning. There's some in this room that may not have come to that point. There's some of you that are faking it. And I would pray, as Sharon prayed at the end, had challenged us, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, before you walk out of this building today, ask somebody to help you understand that. Come to saving faith. Put your trust in God alone for your future. It's the best place to ever be. The best place to ever be. In light of what's going on behind that door right now, there is no more hope that anybody could ever have than to trust that God has got Lillian in her, his hand, right? She loves the Lord. We can trust that he's going to hold on to her and do exactly what he needs to do. We can trust that, can't we? We have a hope that is different than any other religion that exists in the world today. So what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? Growing in our relationship with our Heavenly Father means something. It means that we're going to have to do things intentional. Now, one of the things that I've been known for in the, the last 16 years, maybe even a little longer than that as we were volunteering in a church, is the importance of reading our Bible every single day. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. That statement alone will do it. We need to be reading our Bibles. If we're going to ever know the God of heaven, we need to read the letters that he's written to us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for our life. True? 2 Timothy 3.16. Why is it profitable for our life? Because it shows us what's wrong. It shows us how to get right. It shows us how to live right. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and righteousness. Verse 17 says, so that we would be thoroughly equipped to do everything that God would ask us to do. And I stand before you this morning as a missionary that's evidence that that's a true statement. Because as a high school kid, I could never stand in front of you all and speak with this kind of confidence. I was scared to death to even read the Bible. I'm, I'm serious about that. 
are scared to death to even read the Bible in front of people. But by God's grace, as we spend time, as we're intentionally opening the Word of God, spending time with the God of the Bible and understanding what He wants us to do, He empowers us. My wife's favorite verse in counseling people is 2 Peter 1.3. He has given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness. If you don't know that verse by heart, memorize it. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Is anything not included in everything? You get the point there? We have everything, everything we need. The problem isn't that we don't have it. The problem is we got a bucket of grace right there, and we turn our back and don't even reach into it. And therefore, we don't have the relationship with God that that He wants. God wants to have such a vibrant, powerful, dynamic, supernatural relationship with you that when, no matter how difficult life gets, there's this incredible joy that allows you to keep on going for His glory. In a sense, we could say it allows you to keep on going in such a way that you please God. And how is all that possible? That's what Paul is outlining for us in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, but specifically our verses this morning. Look at verse 17. Let's look at verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Why did he give thanks? In verse 15, because of their love and joy in the Lord. I can say with complete, complete, Seriousness, I am thankful to be around you. I have been amazed at the number of people who come up to me and encourage me with a kind word in this church. Now, Dave told me it was going to be a little bit like that, okay? But sometimes pastors exaggerate. But that was not the case. I've just been incredibly blessed. We couldn't get here for last week. We got here Wednesday, and we have been on the run doing the things that Dave wants us to do, what Timber wants us to do, and I'm not complaining. I have been blessed at your love for the Lord. These people were known for their love and their generosity, their faith in the Lord. Wouldn't that be a good thing to be known at? Walk out the door, and your neighbors know, hey, you've been going to Ferndale First Baptist Church. That's a great place. Wouldn't that be a good thing to be known by When hardships and difficulties go, the people in this community should come to this church. Because this is a church that's got answers. This is a church that could help you no matter how difficult life could be. You could come here and find help. Now, I know that's what the leadership of this church wants. And I pray that you would put to practice and you would begin to live a life that's living proof of what is pleasing to God in such a way that this church is known for that, but not just the church, the building. Because you make up the church, right? Is that true? Every one of you are Ferndale First Baptist Church. Every one of you. So in order for our hearts to be enlightened, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be spending time in the Word every single day. And as, as I, I quoted to you, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, that the men of God, you and I, may be f- complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Sometimes when we hear the word doctrine, we're afraid of it. But doctrine is nothing more than what's right in the world, what's right in the eyes of God in the context of this morning's message. What is pleasing to God is outlined in God's word. True? Uh, Lehman Strauss, an old-time uh, commentator that I've had the privilege of sitting under, uh, said to us, a group of us, about 15 of us one time, we're never ever going to know how to do the things the way God wants them done unless we crack open his book. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? We need to spend time to do that. I'm going to go after the men a little bit in the rest of this message, okay? Because we need to take the lead, right? True, men? Let's get all our heads bobbing up and down. Men, yes? We need to all take the lead. And you know what? If we want our families to be strong in the Lord, if we want our families to learn what it is to be pleasing to God, we need to lead the way, right? I like to hear a powerful, base level, amen. amen. Thank you, thank you. So we need to be in the Word. We need to be spending time with that. These people were, and so Paul was incredibly thankful. I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of, your, of you in my prayers. That's a common statement that Paul preached, wrote in, the, in his letters. He oftentimes would say that, and then he would come into um, this prayer that he would have. In verse 17 it says here, that the Lord of our God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a heart of wisdom. We can find no other place in anywhere in the world to have the wisdom of God except in what? His Bible. Right? If we're going to live in such a way that pleases God, the inference then is where do we have to go? Into the Word. Into the Word. Now, now how, how, do, how do we flesh that out? How does that begin to really take shape in, in our lives today? It begins to take shape when we begin to put it to practice every single day. Every single day. Even when you don't feel like it. True? Because it's truth that we can hold on to. It's truth that guides the way. One of my favorite verses of scripture that I shared with the students last night talking to them is Psalm 119.105. I summarize that verse with this phrase, turn the lights on. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Turn the lights on. Uh, we counsel in the church we're in. In fact, my wife just recently was certified as a, a, a nuthetic counselor an intensive amount of effort to go through that. We're very excited. Uh, uh, pray for me in the month of December. I'm going to finish my exam, Lord willing. And then I get to go through 50 hours of intense um, mentored training as, and counseling as we bring that to, to an end. But I, I can tell you, in the counseling opportunities we have over and over and over again, life's problems would be so much simpler if people would just... Turn the lights on. True? That's what Paul talks about when he says that we're enlightened. Look at verse 18. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know. How in the world are we ever going to know? I started that so you know the answer, but I want to drive that home. We're never, ever going to know what's pleasing to God unless we turn the lights on. True? And the result of that is we're going to have things that are going to change. Our heart's going to be filled with hope. Filled with hope. It is so exciting when you can take a counselee, somebody who's stuck in the despair and the swamp of sin, and life is just so heavy. 
with all of sin. And you can begin to show them the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and how He loves them so much He guides you and directs you and moves you toward righteousness and the righteousness of life, the righteousness of God's way, gives you so much more hope. To hear over and over again the testimony of people would say, I came in here with no future, no hope. And to walk away going, I, I, I'm excited about what God's doing in my life. Is that true in here this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. Is that true? That you have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You look forward to what He's going to do every day. I, I can't wait for one of my neighbors to come to salvation. I've been sharing the, the, the truth of the gospel with him over and over. We gave him a Bible. He, he, get this, he even has read the majority of the New Testament. One day I was talking to him and he goes, you know, the Mormons are different than you. And I wanted to say, duh. But I didn't. And, and he, he said, I was just reading about this guy David. Wasn't he a king? You know, that's how naive he is. But exciting things going on. And I said, yeah, David was a king, and, and he had adultery and killed a guy. And it's in God's word, that, and he would show that. Why in the world would he show that? And so I had about a 25-minute discussion why God showed that. You know, my friend Jim hasn't come to salvation yet, but I hope he will. I look forward with expectation. Isn't that what our hope should be? Part of our hope is looking forward to with confidence as we share the truth of the gospel and in the context of what the verse is that is our main point this morning. How we live. Letting our lives be living proof of what is pleasing to God. One of my favorite things to speak on with teenagers on the subject of your example is Charles Barkley. Phenomenal basketball player. He could jump with one step higher than most people ever even dreamed of. Okay? Not the greatest example spiritually. But he made this statement. I am not a role model. Do you remember that in a Nike commercial? I am not a role model. In fact, on that commercial he says it three times. I am not a role model. Did that make him any less of a role model? No, absolutely not. Can you put your name in there? I don't want to be an example. I am not worthy to be an example. I'm sorry, you are an example. You are proof of something. True? We are. All of us are proof of something. We should be trophies of grace, it says in Scripture. We should be trophies of all that God is doing. Uh, it would be great if we were in Russia, we would do this. To have popcorn sharing of what's so great about your salvation. Can you think of something? Just pop in your head. Why are you thankful for your salvation? Is it popping in your head? Why are you thankful that God loves you? Why are you thankful that God is at work in your life? Why are you thankful for all the blessings that He pours out on you? Not just on Sharon and, and myself and Deb, the missionaries who are in this room. God's grace is poured out on us every day, right? In fact, in this passage, it talks about immeasurable grace. Remember that bucket I talked about? That's a terrible illustration. It would be like the church full of grace. And even that's a terrible illustration. It'd be like the church full of grace overflowing so much so that people are getting out of the way because grace is just overflowing all over the place. That's how I view God's grace. 
How do you view God's grace? How have you come to understand that he's given you everything you need for life and godliness, and the result is you're going to have a hopeful heart? Do you have a heart that is filled with hope this morning? I pray that's true. Second point. The result is we're going to have gracious hearts. Hearts that are thankful that God is do- what, about what God is doing in our lives today. I'm inspired by the number of people in this church who have adopted children. That, that is inspiring to me. I, I love that. I, that. That is just incredible. Evidence of God's love to the world that you're willing to sacrifice those of you who have done that. We need to encourage, and if you haven't, I am not putting you down. Please understand that, okay? This is not Pete Steele putting his thumb on you, go out and adopt. It's just an evidence. It works so well with the sermon, I I can't just let it go. That is one of the evidences of living proof. There are many other evidences, right? We could think of the fruit of the Spirit ought to be real in our life. Some of the kids talked about that last night. If God is at work in us, there should be a difference. True? We should be different. And one of the ways we see the truth of the Holy Spirit at work in us is that there is something we should look like. And one of those things that Paul outlines for us here is that we need to have gracious hearts. We see that in verse 18. We are thankful for all that God is doing, for our salvation, for our future in heaven, for the grace and mercy that he lavishes on us every day especially in the Northwest. We woke up this morning, we're staying with, with uh, uh, Dave and Sue. Sorry, I am so sorry. Uh, you forgive me. And their picture window is of the mountains. Dave wants to tree cut down so he can see Mount Baker. And I didn't understand what that was till I pulled out a little bit driving to church this morning. I want that tree cut down. <laughs> It was beautiful, phenomenal. Could you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Uh, when I see the beauty of the Northwest, a lot of times I'll get up in the morning and, and drive to a, a church within an hour, an hour and a half. So I get up real early. I get to see the sun come up. And I, you ask Deb, I comment on this many times. If heaven is anything like this, my goodness gracious, God is at work. He's been spending, Christ has been spending all these years preparing us a home. What a glorious place that's going to be. Anyway, I'm getting off. I, I love all that we have in Christ Jesus. Gracious hearts are hearts that overflow with love and mercy to the point where you're willing to share the gospel with other people. We can't hoard what we have. We can't get that. We cannot hoard what we have. If, if Sharon has a need. And is it obvious she has a need? And we hold the ability and the truth that can transform lives so they would go and do the work. It's time we get after it, wouldn't you say? In my thinking, my understanding of Scripture, I am not a prophet, so don't pick up the rocks. Okay? But it looks to me like we are rapidly approaching the day that trumpet's going to blow. And we better get after it, especially in light of what Islam is doing. They are not standing still. 
they are being incredibly intentional about what they do. Could we not be the same? And we have the power of God behind us. Look at the verses here. The power of God. Verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? How many times do you see some reference to the power of God in that verse? Is our God powerful? He is. He spoke the world into existence. That, that, in light of the work of the gospel, is mind-boggling to me. Why in the world would he take Pete Steele, who fumbles with words, and allow him to be involved in seeing people come to salvation? Why would he do that? Why would he want me, my life verse is 2 Timothy 2.21, allow me to be a vessel of honor, useful and prepared for every good work? Why would he do that? Because he cares about people. Isn't that exciting? He cares about us enough that he sent his son to die. I, I loved Sharon. My dad shared the same thing with me. That for God so loved Pete Steele, that if Pete Steele would believe, he could have faith in God. That was a bunch of years ago. I was between six and seven. A June Sunday afternoon. God ignited in me the power of the gospel to transform me so that I could stand here before you today and declare this message. Not only will we have hearts that are hope-filled, not only will we have gracious hearts, but we will have empowered hearts or bold hearts, hearts that are willing to jump out and do things. I was speaking uh, probably seven years ago in Colville, Washington, uh, challenging that church on a Sunday evening and said that every one of us can go and share the gospel. The, the problem is you're, some of you are just not going to do that. And we were staying with the youth pastor, or I was staying with the youth pastor and his family, and he had a second grade daughter. So we're having breakfast and she said, Mr. Pete, pray for me. I'm going to share the gospel at first recess today. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. I said, sweetie, that is really, really awesome. You know, I'm driving back home and I get a cell phone call. Hey, Pete, this is, I forget the youth pastor's name. You'll never guess what happened today. I, I don't know. You had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody in your life. I didn't even think of the little girl. He said, she shared the gospel, not in first recess, not in second recess, but on the bus, on the way to school on the bus on the way home. And it looks like a couple of the kids are going to come to faith. You know the really sad thing about that? Nobody else in the church did. Nobody did. I asked the pastor several times, because now I'm inspired. Did, did I really reach the people? And I said, follow up on that. Let me know. Let me know. And nobody else did. And he, that Sunday, he, next Sunday, he used that as an illustration. She shared the gospel. She's in second grade. And nobody else did. Nobody else did. If we're going to have a gracious heart, we're going to share. If we're going to have a hope-filled heart, we're going to share. And we have the ability to share because of all that God has given us. He's given us an empowered, bold, incredibly equipped heart. That's what Paul talks about 
as he works through this, the whole rest of this chapter, the whole rest of this book. In chapter, um, chapter 4 and verse 1, he talks about walking in a worthy in a manner worthy of the gospel. In chapter 5 and verse 10, he talks about uh, the power of God at work in us to be imitators of Christ Jesus. I can be like... Here's another one of these um, profound things that is so hard to get our head around, is that I can be an imitator of Jesus Christ. I can be like Jesus Christ. I can have his mind. I can have his power. I can, I can have his actions. I can behave like him as I appropriate all that we have in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an incredible thing to think about? And because of that, I could be bold. I could be as bold as Paul. Whoa. That's scary. I could be bold. Chapter 6 and verse 10, I could be strong in the Lord because of the grace and mercy at work in me. Isn't that exciting? So this morning, as the mission conference comes to an end, I, I would ask, do you live a life that's living proof of what is pleasing to God? Do you live a life that's living proof of what's pleasing to God? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads, please, so we end. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these people and what an encouragement they have been to me. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and how precious it is. We sang of the, that fabulous song about ancient words ever preserved, ever true. We sung of your name and your glory and your power because you are the God, the only true God, the creator of the universe who loved us so much that you sent your son to die for our sin. Therefore, we can come to you with incredible boldness and call you Father. Father, I would pray that you would fill our hearts with hope that overflows. I pray, Father, that you would cause us to be people who are so gracious of all that we have through the blood of your Son, the innocent blood of your Son, that we would boldly go out and proclaim the truth of the gospel. Empower this church in a mighty way, Lord, in the activities to follow in this next month. May they be men and women of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would give men the boldness and women the encouraging drive to send their men off to Toga to build that hospital. I pray, Lord, that each of us would realize our responsibility as the missionaries you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.